0: Welcome to Devils in the Dark with me Helen Anderson and me Danny Howard. We're two best friends entering the world of true crime. We'll be sharing the stories of some of the worst
1: and wildest true crime cases in history and we're taking you along for the ride. In this episode we're looking at Fritz Harman, the Butcher of Hanover. How are you? I'm in a really good mood today. Oh, I'm scared. <laughs> it's because you've had like 17 shots of espresso. <laughs> Helen's like the biggest coffee addict I know. Well, it's fine because
0: it goes straight through me. It really helps with my ADHD brain.
1: Yeah, that's mad, isn't it? Because you'd think that it would make it worse.
0: Nah, it's great. It's like Pac-Man. Nam nom, nom. Caffeine. Something stimulating. Give me all that stimulant, you know? That's why That's why some ADHD medication is essentially speed. It's like a pharmaceutical version, prescribed version of speed.
1: That's what all the students in America like to take sell. when they do essays and yeah. stuff.
0: But I'm not on that one, unfortunately. I'm on a Shame. different one. I know. Speaking of which, so this morning I went to the gynecologist, yeah? What a way to start a podcast! I know. Let's
1: talk about Helen's vagina.
0: <laughs> We're not talking about my, like, what? The app. Basically, <laughs> right, right, right. basically. And a load of men just went, Nope. <laughs> okay, so I've been waiting to get a gynecology appointment for a very long time. I've been having issues for about three years, as you know, Danny. Yeah. And I've been jumping through hoops, I've been going back and forth to the doctors, and I finally nailed a gynecology appointment, which I was so ecstatic for. But because I've been through quite a lot in the approach to this.
1: Quite a lot of Dick.
0: <laughs> what are you, what are you no, a lot of no. jumping through hoops. A lot of.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been an ordeal. All. Uh, all right, all right, all
0: right. But anyway, anyway, when I got there, I had so much to fucking say. She was like, So let's chat. And I was like, Like, just completely just had so much to say. And then my brain just went on a tangent. And I had this thought, right? If I was Ariel in The Little Mermaid, right? You wouldn't have legs. Oh, oh, okay no! Right. I'm sorry. Listen, I've interrupted. listen right. you've listened. Okay. Listen, right, right. Because you know how my brain works, it's just like <laughs> fucking hundred <laughs> miles an hour. Yeah, this is right. not where I expected no, no, to go.
1: It
0: no. <laughs> just got me thinking because I almost felt silenced by not having a gynecologist, and then I had a gynecologist, and I just so I had so much to fucking say. Right? I was thinking if the if a sea queen stole my voice for three days. And I was around a hunkiest man in the world ever. Sea witch. Sea witch. What did I say? Queen. I mean, she is a queen. Sea witch. And then I got it back.
1: Oh.
0: Like, I don't think I could fucking cope without a voice for three days. I lost my voice for half a day once when I was unwell and I did not manage.
1: Once again, did not think that this was where you were going to go. With this, like, I kind of thought gynaecology, you've got someone, like, in between your legs. Like, Ariel doesn't have legs. How do fish people um, (laughs) get their smear tests? But no. No. How did Ariel cope not having a voice? Well, not very well, Helen. Well, in a way, she kind of thrived.
0: Yeah, but how the fuck would I cope with not being able to speak for three days internally? Like, you knowing me and being my friend, and I was, like, with someone...
1: And I couldn't speak. I but it would explode. I think you'd do it anyway. You'd what? literally just be like <laughs> so You'd just you'd just start inventing like instead of talking, you'd just be like <laughs> <laughs> And people would be like, oh she needs a coffee because she's like rattling this and
0: like no but as soon as you got your voice back would you not be like oh, finally and so then i was walking down the street and then i saw this thing and i had to really tell you about that time that when we were on the like on the horse and carriage and we went over that thing and then i i t- I fired and you didn't hear that but i, I wanted to tell you that just because you had smell something and then oh and then when we were on the boat and sebastian came along and you know i think i'd actively
1: <laughs> avoid you for a couple of days to <laughs> not have to listen to that <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> but that was basically me in the gynaecologist this morning. It's nice to go elsewhere to be fair. Sometimes, isn't it? It's not the most pleasant experience, no. always. So uh, now we know that's what Helen thinks about when there's someone rooting around in her. fanny. Yep, I just said that. <laughs> do do I regret it? <laughs> Maybe. Oh dear. Yeah. oh dear. How's your How's your your morning week? Been? Oh well. Um. Oh, I tell you what. I've been fucking well busy this week. <laughs> There was one day. What day was it? Came to you, Sylvie, as you know, I've put her to work already, haven't I? She's come, she's professional, come in, come in the office with you. We're being professionals. But I tell you what, we went swimming this morning, first ever swim. Oh yeah, how was that? Uh, do you know what? She loved it. She didn't love it. Mm-hmm. I don't think any of us loved it. Right. But she didn't hate it, and that I'll take that. Mm. So we had a little float. She had a little. I dragged her around a bit.
0: And she did looked, you put her in? Did you put her on like a little Lilo or something?
1: No, I just had her.
0: Oh. I yeah. was expecting some rubber ringage.
1: No, I didn't like throw her in or anything. Oh. But yeah. And then me and mum took it in terms of like holding her and, you know, floating her around a bit mm. while the other one had a little swim. Mm. But I just fucking hate swimming pools. Oh. Like, disgusting. Why, why do you want to just go? This was all right. This one, I, like, and literally, I, I had to really psych myself up to get in the door. And, like, I've got my my got my, my croc flippy flops in my bag so that my feet don't have to touch the floor. Yeah. Because, like, there's something about... Those tiles. wet floor. And then you've got that, like, grippy mat stuff that sort of elevates you just slightly above all the water that falls through the gaps so you don't slip over. Mm-hmm. Right? But, like, oh, how do you clean under them? They ain't getting cleaned every day, are they? No. Right? And then it's like a private pool where my mum has a membership and she has like a weekly slot yeah and every week her and her friend they go and have a swim cute but her friend couldn't go so we went this week Mm. instead and um two old people had been in there before right and i'm like old people water but we went in the old people water (laughs) right and you know that's fine and i'm just there's chlorine it's fine like, there's no, there's not going to be as many plasters or anything, is there? Because, um, you know, why would you go swimming if you needed a plaster in the first place? But there's always like a plaster or like a weird bit of hair. And like, you know, I've got a thing about like when we are moved in the house, I couldn't be barefoot in the house for about two weeks. And, I, and if I got out of the shower, I have to walk on the edge of my feet. Why? Because I don't want my damp feet to touch a carpet that isn't full of my dust. God, you'd be fucking screwed out in the world. I could you? never go on I'm a Celebrity. No. Or naked naked and afraid. It, yes, I would be both. Oh, quickly. I got a phone call this morning. Oh, hello. I've been enrolled for kickboxing. I start in June. Cool. Yeah. Oh, I want to come. Monday evenings. Oh. Where are you going? Don't know. That's We're, fun. Down the road. My Uncle Jason kickboxes. Eight, I got a, to, eight till nine o'clock. I got a video of my cousin in an MMA fight nice. the other day. They all kickbox now, the whole family. But my cousin, Thea, she's a fucking machine. She's incredible. I'm a, like, I love her. Really? She's, she's 16 and she's a fucking powerhouse. She injured my uncle the other day. Nice. They f- they're fighting each other.
0: You should come fight.
1: I'd love it. Enroll. I don't know if my knees can handle it. Anyway, the yeah, swimming go back, pool. go 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 Right, so i got the old people water. My skin is crawling and I'm like, no, I have to be brave for my child. <laughs> um, because, yeah, and I've just decided Baker can do the swimming pool parties, you know, when they're older and kids. Yeah. Well, why? Also, like, oh, it's your birthday. Let's invite a load of children to go and be in one of the most dangerous places ever. right like let's just put a load of children in a giant puddle of water Mm -hmm. so they can all piss in it or whatever and this is the other thing I've learned about swim nappies they only catch poo like the wee just comes out that's disgusting isn't it
0: and like she have a wee in the pool
1: I don't think so but I'd have no way of knowing she didn't poo so some people like we've had this debate in the girl chat before some people just piss in pools don't they yeah fucking vile yeah rude disgusting get out go toilet yeah you do. <laughs> you're smiling. Because you're, you're wee in the shower, won't you? Yeah, because it's just going straight down the drain. Disgusting. It's all Wait! in your feet. It's no,
0: in your feet. I'm pee. my body. That would be the first thing that I do because I can't help oh it. That The running water makes me need to pee. And I'm already going to flush the toilet, which is going to use water. So if I'm standing in running water, which is cascading down my body, first thing I do is have a pee, Yeah. It goes down the drain pipe. And then I wash myself with a constant flow of clean water, which is constantly washing over my body. How is that un- how, how is that? Because it's hygienic? Just, it's,
1: when you say it like that, yeah, it's not particularly, but you do share a... Well, you don't at the moment. I don't. If you share a shower with somebody...
0: Bathtubs aren't porous, are they? So, like, your wee particles aren't getting in the bathtub. They're also going down the drain You pipe. have
1: to have great drainage the fucking best drainage yeah. right which we don't because we live in a city to know to be able to ensure yeah. that there aren't any oil piss particles stuck to the side of the bath or like the bottom of the bath or something they're getting on their feet you can see it it runs clear doesn't it yeah but there will just be particles i'm not having it it's, it's 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 gross i feel very strongly about this but i've had a baby my pelvic floor is not what it used to be. Uh, and I was uh, doing front crawl. You're just always going to be pissing yourself I let, I let a tiny wee out by accident. I didn't mean to. And I was like, "Mom, yeah, Mom I pull. think I just did a tiny wee. And she went, <laughs> <laughs> It was really small. And I was well hydrated. So I, like, it wouldn't have been bad. But I've become everything that I hate by accident. And I'm full of shame. And I've shared it with the world. <laughs>
0: You chose to go down the road of this tangent. I so. did, yeah, but
1: I won't piss in the shower, so you're safe with me. One time at a festival, my team did manage to convince me to piss in the showers because they were like, I was
0: like, I really need to go. But I wouldn't went, do it in a festival shower. Well, well no, no way.
1: Well, uh, you know, and they were all like, we do it. And I was like, fine, fine, fine. And obviously I did it. Fucking drain stopped working halfway through, didn't it? My piss Oh, no. <laughs> I know. It was terrible. It was the worst moment of my life. <laughs>
0: That's exactly it. In your own shower where you can clean it yourself and you have full control over that
1: well I've never done it again I will put that out oh, there I, I love lesson sure. and horrible that's, uh, that's unfair well I thought so I really got in my own head because they were all like oh yeah we all do it we all do it and I was like well if everyone else is doing it and I really I just really 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 needed to go like and I was, you
0: and you also really
1: give in to peer
0: pressure yeah
1: I'm very easily led. <laughs> <laughs> anyway
0: let's get on with this fucking story for? I'm scared Hannibal um, was it Hanover
1: Hanover is a place yeah um the butcher of Hanover I think at the end of the last episode I said the vampire of Hanover because I thought it sounded sexier but he is both okay you can choose the vampire of Hanover the butcher of Hanover the wolfman oh fuck sounds sexy no it's not sexy at all okay it's really like it's the least sexy Not sexy. That's why I wanted to do him because I was like, oh, vampires. (laughs) Right. Because I fucking love we love vampires. We We love vampires and werewolves. This is not that. Oh. Nope. This is could not be further from Twilight. This does involve some tender age victims and acts of sexual violence against young boys. Oh. So some listeners might want to prepare to skip some parts that might find distressing or listen to another episode. But I will also say this is very, very interesting. It's not as gross and it's very dark, but a okay, beefy. Okay,
0: let's change the dials in our
1: brain to serious mode now. We're in dark, we're in devil mode now. Yep. Okay, let's set the scene. It's 1924 in Hanover, Germany. Two young boys have just discovered a human skull whilst playing on the banks of the Lane River. Over the next several weeks, two more skulls are found in the nearby area as well as a sack of human bones. Rumours begin to run wild across the city as the police make a horrifying discovery. The city's riverbed contains the bones and decomposing body parts of at least 22 young male victims.
0: Oh, my God.
1: They've just found the aftermath of a serial killer.
0: That's a lot of bones.
1: The Butcher of Hanover. (gasps) So let's go back to the start. Friedrich, Heinrich, Karl Harmann, known as Fritz, was born on 25th of October 1879 in Hanover, Germany, and was the youngest of six children by his parents, Johanna and Olly. Youngest of six. From an early age, Fritz shunned typical boys' activities, preferring to play with his sister's dolls and dressing up in their clothes. Um, And he was also encouraged by his mum to do that and develop interests in cookery and needlepoint. Okay. So this is the late 1800s, not typical boys. No. His father, Ollie, was known to be quite short-tempered and argumentative and wasn't particularly a very loving father. Apparently they used to argue a lot. And he was also quite a womaniser. He spent a lot of his evenings, most of his evenings, out at seedy bars having affairs and just being a bit... Mischievous, being a bit of a prick, it sounds like. To yeah, be but um, there you go. Fritz wasn't particularly close with his siblings either, but he did have a very close relationship with his mother. Mm-hmm. So much so that when he started school in eighteen eighty six, his teachers found him to be spoiled and mollycoddled. But supposedly, he was quite lively and and well liked amongst his peers. Okay, but. You know, despite that, school didn't particularly seem to suit Fritz. And while his behavior was good, he was well behaved, mm-hmm. his performance was below a- average. Oh. Academia didn't really suit him. And he actually had to repeat a school year twice. What? You'd be so gutted. Embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. In later life, it was revealed by Fritz that he was around the age of eight. Yeah. He was molested by one of his teachers. Oh,
0: God. Um, But
1: he never went into any further details about the incident, like who did it or what happened. Okay. So potentially that could have an impact on one's performance. Yeah. Yeah. Probably terrified. Yeah. And I don't think that he was particularly used to being treated well Mm. by, you know, like his dad. Mm. So yeah, school wasn't for him. Okay. So he left mainstream schooling in 1894 and gained an apprenticeship as a locksmith, which he failed, mm-hmm. before enrolling in a military academy at the age of 15. Oh, that's quite young, isn't it? Yes. So his, his parents encouraged it, and he began his training in the April of 1895. He'd grown into a physically strong young man and adapted well to life as a trainee soldier. He was obedient, and he was good at soldiering. But his success didn't last long, as he began to suffer from seizures. Which, oh. yeah, led him to being medically discharged from the academy just six months later in oh. October. So he's finally found his groove and what he's good at and he's been chucked out. Oh, bless him. That's not good, is it? Well, no, not
0: bless him. Um, I mean, at this point in the story, bless him. Like, but not, obviously not. Well,
1: no, you're you're going to change your mind very quickly. Oh, OK. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Because this meant that he returned to ha- Hanover. Right. Where now he's just turned 16. Mm hmm. He committed his first known sexual offences. Oh, yeah, okay, go fuck yourself. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) By luring young boys to secluded areas such as cellars and sexually abusing them. I don't know where he's just finding cellars. He was first arrested for such crimes in July of 1896, Uh, so still at the age of 16. But following further crimes, Mm -hmm. he was placed in an asylum in Hildesheim in early 1897 to await trial. Oh. So he was arrested a couple of times, continued, and there was more people coming out of the woodwork and being like, this guy, this kid
0: yeah.
1: is molesting other kids. He had underwent psychiatric evaluation in a Hanover hospital and was deemed incurably deranged and unfit to stand trial for his crimes. Okay. So he was sent back to the asylum to be detained indefinitely. Oh, okay. Yeah, we've heard this quite a few times. Yeah, and yeah, reason. no, so no. He's Can kind of... Incurably deranged, not fit to be in society, not even fit to stand trial for his crimes. He needs to be kept in an asylum indefinitely. It's not exactly clear what happened to him during that time in the asylum, but he was terrified of the place. And at one point later in his life said, do what you want to me, but do not send me back to the loony bin. Okay. And he obviously hated it there, but they didn't care that much because he managed to escape. Really? He escaped in 1898 and fled to Zurich in Switzerland. And it's rumoured that his mum helped him escape. I just picture him um, tying loads of bedsheets together and like lowering them out it of probably, a window. It probably like a was. castle. It probably was something like that, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, so he ran to Switzerland and he lived there with a relative of his mum mm-hmm. um, and worked at a lo- local shipyard. He stayed there for over a year. Right. But then he just returned to Hanover. Okay, cool. In, I'm back. Yeah. In <laughs> April 1899. And so I was like, well, how do you just return? Yeah. And that's it. All I could find is he just returned. And I don't know, like, and everyone was just like, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, like, he's supposed to be in an uh, asylum forever, but... He escaped. Oh, I mean, they said indefinitely. So right. maybe they were just like, wow, well, we never said a time. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's not our problem anymore. Well, well, he escaped. So that was the indefinitely. Yeah, that He'd was gone. indefinitely came and went. <laughs> but yeah, so he's 20 now. Right. He's back in Hanover. And he seduced a young woman called Erna Lovett. Mm-hmm. Lovat. Okay. And they were engaged to be married. She became pregnant with his child in 1900. And it seemed perhaps the dark deeds of his past might be over and his parents were hopeful that he was set to live like a sexually normative lifestyle with his lady friend but that would not be a podcast worthy story so this was short-lived
0: this is quite a heavy case so let's just take a quick break to talk about our wonderful sponsor of today's episode better help
1: absolutely this episode is brought to you by better help online therapy By now, it will be no surprise to you listeners that we're big fans of therapy and taking the time to connect with yourself and your needs. Exactly. Daily
0: life can be so hectic and it's really easy to get caught up in giving all your energy to
1: those around you before you realise you're stretched a bit too thin. So bad for doing this yeah constantly and even if i'm not like actively like oh don't worry i can do that oh don't worry i can do that i can help you with that and then you're saying like oh don't have enough time to do all of this and i'm uh, 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 yeah uh, sort of like freeze up if i'm not doing that and then the voices start <laughs> you're lazy you shouldn't you're selfish you should be you should be doing more for everybody around you
0: and I think that's the key word in there is selfish and I think that this is something that we often think that if you are putting yourself first all the time and you're not helping others and you're not like being generous that you're a selfish person but I'm such a firm believer now in taking the time out for yourself and putting your needs first but you've got to get to that realization and I think that if you are stretching yourself too thin, if you are running on fumes, as they say, it's easy to let all the other nasties get into your brain and really bog you down with like anxiety and feeling low and you
1: don't know why, it's because you burnt yourself out. Yeah, for sure. Like it's like the saying goes, isn't it? You can't give from an empty cup. Exactly. And you have to sort of accept that sometimes everybody needs just a little bit of extra help to Yeah. Get back to yourself or like to do to just take time uh, for self-care. Yeah. And I've always found that therapy can be really helpful for that and I always feel like so much lighter and like I've got more room to process things that that I need to do for myself so that I can do the things that I want to do to help all the people I love around me.
0: Yeah I also feel like it helps you put into perspective like what's actually important for people and what's not we can often tell ourselves like i have to do this for this person because of x y and z and it's sometimes nice to have a, someone outside to tell you that oh maybe is it important though like what's important what's a priority and so talking to someone else about it is i think pretty important
1: yeah for sure uh, if you do find you want to take some time for yourself then online therapy with better help can give you the tools that you need to reconnect if you're considering therapy better help can match
0: you with a therapist within days Sign up is really easy and it's online only so
1: you can fit it into your life whenever you like and wherever you like. So when you want to prioritise your own mind, therapy can help get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash D-I-T-D to get 10% off your first month. That's better, H-E-L-P dot com slash D-I-T-D. Right,
0: let's get back into it.
1: This was short-lived though because uh, Fritz received notice to perform compulsory military service in october of 1900 and he was deployed to the alsatian city of colmar that was like a part of it's part of france yeah so they obviously knew he was there they knew he must have you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it's all weird yeah why didn't they just take him back to the asylum And if they had just taken him back to the asylum it would be a very short podcast but you know a lot of terrible things would not have happened exactly
0: there's a there's a repeated pattern in most of these things where they get locked up, they don't get reformed, or they think they're reformed. He can go now.
1: Yeah, but I mean, they've already decided that he can't be. Yeah, incurable. Baffling. But there we go. It was um, the late 19th century. They didn't know any better, as we know from history. Germany was about to undergo some much bigger things. It was. So wasn't it? yeah, we already know that. Fritz was good at being a soldier from his short time at the military academy. I think he was probably very excited to go to get his military service. And once again, he became an exemplary soldier and an excellent rifleman. Apparently, he was, oh. he was a really good sharpshooter. But he was known to be obedient. Once again, obedient, great at following orders, and an all-round good shoulder. Good. He probably had good shoulders as well. But that's not what I was trying to say. <laughs> According to Fritz, his military service was the happiest time of his life. Oh. But once again, it was about to come quite quickly to an end. As a year later, he collapsed on on an exercise with his battalion and continued to suffer dizzy dizzy spells, which hospitalised him for four months.
0: Wow. So obviously the seizures and this is something that's...
1: Something's Pending, going on. Yeah. yeah, it's not quite quite right in his brain. So once again he was discharged for medical reasons after being diagnosed as having a mental deficiency. Okay. So not quite incurably deranged, but still not, you know, mentally stable. These are very blanket diagnosis. Aren't yeah. They? Yeah. <laughs> like-, <laughs> like it's it's not it's not great. So yeah, mentally deficient and he was unsuitable for military service or work. Okay. So he was given a military pension. And right. sent home. Oh, that's like, the quite equivalent. Generous. Yeah, the equivalent of like disability payments, I okay. guess. But like your military pension. Yeah. So yeah, discharged honourably. Off he goes back to his fiance Erna in Hanover. This time he worked for a short while at his dad's cigar factory, but we already know that they didn't get on so well before, and they definitely didn't get on any better now. So um, it seems. Like they were just constantly fighting and there was like his dad sued him at one point and Fritz sued his dad like in a counter suit um, for something. And they ended up in a really violent physical fight. Whoa. Yeah. And his dad actually had tried to have him committed to back to an asylum because, you know, this guy's deranged. But there was a lack of corroborating evidence. So the charges ended up being dropped. Mm-hmm. Fitz was once again made to undergo psychiatric evaluation as part of that. And it was concluded that while he was morally inferior, he was not mentally unstable.
0: Make up your minds, people. Like, They're not my- like written notes down on on him. Like, do they not have files where they just keep tabs on? I know, but also like morally <laughs> inferior.
1: Yeah, what's that? That's 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 dangerous in yeah. my book. Yeah. Morally inferior, the guy. <laughs> what? Yeah, but we're we'll just doing nothing about it. He's fine. Off he goes. Yeah. Like, well, he's already been he's already been arrested. For being a pedo. Yeah. Morally inferior. Can he's I say that? Hero. Pedophile. Okay. He's already been arrested for being a pedophile and sexually assaulting yeah. young boys. And now he's just morally inferior. Bye. <laughs> it's, it's, it's genuinely... A time a long ago. Yeah. Where... Yeah. Uh, his fiance, Erna, had terminated her pregnancy. Oh, she chose to? From what I've read, but I, I don't know how well sourced that is. How
0: did they do that? Back back then. then.
1: Back alleys, I think. She ended their engagement in 1904 after he accused her of having an affair. But they'd opened a fishmongery, which hadn't been a successful business, but everything was in her name. So she was just like, I'm not going to marry you anymore, bye. Get fucked. Get out. Yeah. So, yeah, and off he went. Didn't have a leg to stand on. So, unable to hold down legitimate employment, Fritz then spent the next decade as a petty criminal... Serving several short prison sentences for crimes such as larceny and embezzlement. So if he did have a job, like if he did get a, like a proper job, he'd most likely end up stealing from either his employees or the customers or like um, he was a con man as well. Like mm. he'd, Yeah, so an all round not nice guy. Apparently his dad had also had a history of being a con man and would sometimes bring Fritz in on the job. So I think he's just learned some of his ways from his father. So yeah, he's just sort of bumming around.
0: Like there, I don't know. There's part of me that feels a little bit. I don't want to say sorry for him because he he did some terrible things in terms of like he sexually assaulted children, which is not okay. Mm. But like, had he not have had any seizures or had he not had any like physical impending like issues he'd still be in the military right now being up doing all right but yeah, I just feel like he's had a string of
1: bad luck yeah I do worry though I, I thought about this and I think there's so much question about his mental stability mm. he was a good soldier yeah excellent sharpshooter if he's not quite stable mm. if he's prone to mental instability that could potentially be an even more dangerous cocktail but,
0: but then you know could his skills and his dedication to the military somewhat be something that is a distraction from... Yeah. That keeps him focused. I think
1: it would either distract him or give him the opportunity to do some really horrific things under the guise of... Yeah. Which we've already seen in Richard Ramirez. Do you remember his... Was that his cousin? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I think there's so many what-ifs here. What if they'd kept him in? What if... But uh, eventually... His burglarizing and, and petty criminalizing ended up with him being sentenced to five years in prison. However, his sentence began in 1914. So, Ooh. which is the same year that World War I began. So, when he went into prison, Germany was, you know, on quite a high.
0: All up in arms.
1: Yeah. But, well, he went before the war started. He went okay. in before the West war started. And he actually, in the last year, of his prison sentence things were so terrible in germany they were they didn't have enough men to do all the jobs that needed doing to keep the country functioning so they let prisoners out on day releases to go so, uh, do the jobs that they needed to do and you did just have to go back to prison at night time he left prison in april 1918 so that was seven six seven months before the war ended and so obviously by that point germany was losing and Germany was really not in a great way. So when he came out, he was really struck by how all the poverty was just everywhere because he was kept away from it in prison yeah. for most of that. Quick history lesson, if you want it, there's going to be loads of people that are like, you haven't got this right, but I tried really hard. Germany was losing the war, and when the war was over, the country went into a depression, massive recession. There was massive widespread poverty. They were printing, having to print like $5 million, frank banknotes because money just lost all value you'd have to use a wheelbarrow of banknotes to buy a loaf of bread so Whoa. yeah people were dying of famine well i, I think, did not know this did you
0: not do history gcse yeah but fo- most of it was folk Oh, no, i didn't actually i did geography
1: oh uh, i but got told not to do geography because m- most- i'm shit <laughs> can you die of famine or does famine cause you to die either way people were desperate for food and were even so desperate that they would eat would no, maybe turn yeah no no cats and dogs Oh, I thought they were going to say each other. Oh God, well maybe I don't know, but no, cats and dogs. So Fritz had returned to Hanover in August of 1918, where he lived with his sister for a short while before getting an apartment of his own and immediately reverting back to his criminal ways. Oh,
0: for fuck's sake! There was
1: no point in getting a job because money had no value. That's very true. There was all the shops were closing down. Everybody, it was really, really bad. There was because there was loads of embargoes put on um, trade with Germany. Um, and things. So it was really difficult for them to maintain a socioeconomic infrastructure.
0: God, it must have been a nightmare
1: just to just it's just to live. It's just, bleak. Like, yeah. Really, really bleak. Yeah. Ultimately, you know, the general population don't deserve that.
0: No, not at all.
1: The people in charge did. But
0: that's not for this podcast. That's not what we're no. here to talk about. I mean, we thought times are hard when you couldn't get a roll of toilet roll during lockdown, and that felt hard enough. But Jesus Christ, everything collapsing and just not having anywhere yeah. to shop ever, or the cost of food being so cripplingly expensive, like
1: yeah, because they couldn't, buy, they couldn't trade, and they weren't able to sort of grow everything themselves. So see, yeah, it was a really miserable time. From? But it meant that you know, when things are tough people turn to different ways to survive, don't they? Yes, they so do. So a criminal underworld is actually going to probably thrive. Five, yeah. Yeah, and Harman really sort of found his way to exploit that as much as he could. So he was often found trading in stolen goods and second-hand clothing at Hanover Central Station. That station was sort of a bit of a hub, it seems like, for criminals because you've got people coming and going, travel centre, thieves, sex workers... Impoverished people begging for food. A lot sort of centers around this station. And Fritz actually developed a relationship with local police as an informant because he was a known criminal. You know, he's Mm -hmm. getting, he's getting, he is getting in trouble for stuff. But he ended up working with police and setting up ruses where he would arrange to hold stolen goods at an address and like arrange a pickup. And then the police would turn up. Uh, Um, right. Yeah, uh, so to help them catch other criminals. And he would sometimes let himself get arrested at the same time so that the other criminals didn't think it was him.
0: Yeah, like like a bit of a
1: Snape killing yeah. Dumbledore. like Exactly, exactly that. Right. But, but this guy. And uh, it worked both ways because he was also then able to divert the police attention away from himself. Ah, uh, yes. So he was therefore able to patrol the station at will, um without sort of gaining unwanted police attention but other people knowing oh yeah that's fritz Harmon, he's a criminal i can go and get my black market meat from him yep that was a thing gross while he was able to patrol sort of unawares and redirecting attention from himself it meant that he could take his criminal escapades to a whole new level and strap yourself in because things are about to escalate oh god yeah. So on 25th of September 1918, 17-year-old Friedel Roth was reported missing, with friends telling police that he had last been seen with Fritz Harman. Under pressure from Roth's family, police went to search Harman's flat, where instead of finding Friedel like they hoped, they found Harmon with a semi-naked 13-year-old boy. Much to their dismay, because this was a guy that they were trusting to help them Mm-hmm. Solve other crimes. He was charged with sexual assault and battery of a minor and sentenced to nine months in prison. But he managed to avoid serving that sentence for a little while. He didn't go straight to prison. I think that's because of how he, his relationship with the police, but okay. that was never sort of Specified. confirmed. All right. Yeah. It was later revealed in a confession from Harmon that the police had left the apartment that day after their search not knowing that the head of Friedel Roth was wrapped in newspaper and stashed behind the stove. What? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Friedel Roth had become Fritz Harman's first confirmed murder victim, but unfortunately he was far from the last. Oh, my God. And I have to say first confirmed victim, as he was suspected of being involved in the murder of another boy, Herman Koch, who disappeared a few weeks before Friedel Roth had but there was no evidence found that could tie Harmon to the case. So he was never actually like, arrested or tried for that crime. What? Yeah.
0: What? What's going on? Why has he just started doing this?
1: Where's this come from? Well, once again, I say first confirmed because we don't know that yeah, he's okay. just started doing this, unfortunately. How did he just
0: change his tune? Just, well, we're going to get to that.
1: Uh, okay. So, yeah, like I said, Fritz avoided serving that nine-month sentence for a while. And in that time, while he was avoiding going back to prison, he met an 18-year-old called Hans Granz. And I'm aware that I'm probably not saying that right, but it's spelt the same and I like the way it rhymes, so we're going with it. So he met an 18-year-old called Hans Granz, a runaway from Berlin who had been sleeping rough around the station for a couple of weeks. Now, Harman, Fritz had had his eye on Hans Granz. But shortly after their acquaintance, where Hans had tried offering Harman sexual services after hearing of his homosexual tendencies, he actually became Fritz's lover. Oh. Yeah, and criminal accomplice. And he moved into Fritz's apartment. Okay. So they lived together. I think now's probably a good time to note that being gay wasn't illegal, but sexual relations between men specifically men were illegal so and you, punishable previously had been punishable by death so you could be gay but you couldn't have any sexual contact it was frowned upon right in theory the way the law was written women could have sex yeah just i roll that yeah it's 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 a bit it's a you bit can, you can tell who what, what gender it <laughs> it's been like that it had been like that since like the 1500s they'd rewritten the law but originally it was punishable by death i'm not sure if it still was But he was known to be homosexual, which was illegal. But because of his relationship with the police, once again, that They let it slide? Yeah. Okay. So they were living together. Harmon did then go and serve his nine-month sentence in 1920. But once again, left prison and quickly reverted back to his previous lifestyle. And also managed to regain the trust of the police and started working as an informant again. Fritz and Hans moved around Hanover for a bit before settling into an apartment together in 1921 and he peddled second-hand clothing at Hanover Station and was also known to sell black market meat at times.
0: Why am I just picturing, like, black mouldy meat?
1: Buy my meat! Like, it's (laughs) weird. Yeah, yeah. Where does he get it from? Oh, no. Don't, don't! There's questions about where he got the meat from that remain unanswered. I will touch on that in a bit. Okay. He would also spend his time luring young men and boys back to his apartment. Whilst he has a partner? Oh. Hans was aware of the things. Once oh. again, I'm going to touch on that in a bit. Okay. But he would l- lure them back to his apartment that he shared with Hans. His victims were mostly made up of male runaways, commuters, and occasionally male sex workers who frequented the station. So once that was his hunting ground. Fritz would sometimes pose as a station official or a policeman to help lure his unsuspecting victims to his home where he would rape them before or while he kills them. The youngest of his confirmed victims, and I have to keep using this confirmed, the youngest of his confirmed victims was just 10 years old. Fucking hell.
0: What is a child of 10 years
1: old doing out on their own anyway? Trying to make money. there's like running an errand for his parents one of those one boy was 13 he was just out running an errand for his parents and never came back and what does he say to them to get them to go back to his house he would well because sometimes he would pose as like someone an official so it'd be like you don't have the right traveling papers right the right traveling documents you have to come with me oh my god yeah but also they're people it's a transient sort of people a lot of the time runaways who are already missing yeah people who don't want to be found sex workers who might not have anyone to report them Mm -hmm. as missing there I don't know if I actually go on to say this in a bit but he would also sometimes actively dissuade friends of his victims to not report them like persuade them to not report them as missing Mm -hmm. so you know there's some dark deeds going on. And the possessions of several of his victims were either sold on the black market, so like clothing, suitcases, briefcases, a bicycle, Mm -hmm. or he kept them. Like they were retained by either Fritz or his lover, Hans, who was very much aware of his boyfriend's activities. And I think it was he came back to the apartment during Fritz's second confirmed murder and found the boy lying naked on the bed and said, I'll come back later. Oh, my God. Yeah.
0: I mean, I know he did. he's not doing anything, but he's just as bad,
1: like, to just allow that. Oh, yeah, happened. and there is some speculation about how involved he was. That's so bad. Uh, which I'll also touch on in a bit. Between 1918 and 1924, it was confirmed that Fritz Harman killed... 24 young men although the actual number is actually likely to be quite a bit higher yeah because of all the unreported people during this time so that's that's a period of about five and a half years that's a lot of people yeah and And don't forget in that time he was in prison for at least nine months yeah he was in and out of prison there's some short sentences during that time as well but during that time, rumors began circulating about the fate of the sheer number of children and teenagers that were being reported as missing in Hanover. Mm. And I think at the time of his arrest, there was up to six hundred missing in total. Yeah, I'm not saying that Fritz was responsible for every single no. one of those, but there was it was a it was enough an alarming amount an alarming amount yeah yeah. But the social situation in Germany, like such widespread poverty meant that everybody's sort of like really just trying so desperately to survive it was a lot easier for people to sort of slip under the radar yeah and to like for Fritz to be coming and going and to sort of go unnoticed a bit more than maybe in sort of like a a more civilized Mm -hmm. uh, organized society yeah at that time
0: well I just get this impression in my head I'm like whilst I'm picturing this story I just see chaos and I see like upheaval and just people just scraping by to get by and almost being quite I don't want to go as far as say feral because that's quite a but like in a way of like we're back to
1: square one trying to rebuild civilization That's exactly it yeah in some in some instances it is like that yeah yeah. and then there's video clips because film was a thing Uh, There's short films you can see of people like going to shops with their wheelbarrows of money or or, like bags full of money.
0: The image in my head of this story is dusty and orange and yellow and dirty. I
1: have that too, like sepia and dirty. And I've seen the video footage and it's black and white. (laughs) (laughs) But like, you know, obviously in real life, people would see things in colour. But yeah, no, I have the exact same thing. That's funny. Yeah, so it's, it's bleak time. Lots of people are missing. However... Almost six years after his first confirmed kill, Fritz's reign of terror was about to come to an end. Oh, On the 17th of May 1924, two children, innocently playing by the side of the Lane River, which runs through the centre of Hanover, discovered a human skull, took it to the police, and it was determined that the skull belonged to a male of approximately 18 to 20 years old and... Although the skull bore some evidence of knife marks, the police weren't convinced that it was evidence of murder. They thought it could have been washed down from somewhere else where there had been an outbreak of... I can't remember what disease it was. I apologise. Yeah, so it could have been one of the bodies from that, or it could have been... uh, I would
0: have been like, oh, I've just
1: had a war, young laddie. Exactly. Probably
0: just... Yeah. Yeah.
1: But... Then two weeks later, a second male skull, oh. also aged between 18 and 20, was discovered close to the location of the first one. Oh dear. Shortly after that discovery, two boys playing in a field in a town near Hanover found a sack containing numerous human bones. Oh. Just bones. Where's the rest of it? Well, two more human skulls were discovered a short while after that On the seventeenth of June, one on the bank of the Lane River, again similar place to the first one, and then one next to a mill, um, in West Hanover, like a water mill. So these were oh yeah, because the water would be going through a water mill, surely. Yep. These were also confirmed as belonging to males. However, one was aged to a male in his late teens, and one was estimated to be between eleven and thirteen years old. There was also evidence that one of these skulls had been scalped. Oh fuck. At some point. So and
0: how do you tell a male to a female skull the last Different skull- shapes.
1: Are they? Yeah. And different sizes. I, I thought guess. our heads were all the same. There's ways to do I think it's something to do with like the shape of your eye sockets and things that's like that. That's so yeah. interesting. It's the way like in the same way that like our pelvises are different. Oh yeah. Well that's that's Fairly. That's an obvious one, yeah. but yeah, no, they, I think they're different. I've just made that up, Helen. I actually don't know, but it sounds like a that thing. Sounds <laughs> it sounds legit,
0: so well done for that, you know, <laughs> improvised, you <laughs> improvised science there. <laughs> yeah, no, and I just
1: realised there's loads of people that actually know and they're just going to be like, Dan, you've just made that up. I and, think we uh, should look, we should yeah. do some, look into that as homework. I will homework. look into that as homework, yeah.
0: Let's do it together tomorrow.
1: Yeah, okay. Forensic anthropology okay. is the field of study. So that's a lot of body parts being found isn't it a lot of bones and and without flesh? Where's this flesh at? Yeah, uh, and that's in the space of a month, like in less than a month. That's all really of those things. that's that's a lot of bones, a lot of body parts, short amount of time. Yes. So all these rumors that had been circulating over the last few years reached a fever pitch. You know, is it our missing boys? And the public weren't willing for to wait for the police to shed any light on the situation. So several hundred in June, I believe this was, yeah, early June, several hundred citizens gathered close to the Lane River where the first few skulls were found and searched its banks and the surrounding areas, discovering even more human bones. I mean, great community spirit I'm so impressed with it, yeah, yeah. Like, really took things into their own hands. So the police then decided to dredge the section of the river that ran through the city. Oh, my gosh. This is wild. They dragged up over 500 human bones and decomposing body parts. Many of them had knife marks, but they'd obviously been dumped over a period of years because some were completely void of flesh, some were body parts um, in various stages of decomposition. That must have been a horrific sight. Unbelievable and that was the section of the river that ran through the city so it's not like it's you know just this like you know just a tiny piece of river they'd floated down <sighs> at various points yeah but still you don't expect that and it's made it made me think like what the fuck's at the bottom of the went to them do not say that like there was a <laughs> there was a trolley outside of my flat for i used to live next to the river there was a trolley there for ages i always just think oh i wonder what's getting stuck in that trolley but unless you're looking for it Nobody's nobody's regularly looking for body parts, are they in the river? No, they're checking water quality and things like that. Imagine if they did dredge the the, the river. I'm scared notch. I don't I, I I dread to think but, what? That,
0: but that that fear is like the fear of the unknown, like the deep blue sea. like yeah. how many people are scared of like what's at the bottom of the ocean? It's like yeah. what's at the bottom of the river that we look at every single day and think, oh, how beautiful the river looks today? Oh, how yeah. scenic, but what lies beneath all man? this dark just oh.
1: yeah, just lying there, nobody knew. It was later confirmed by a court doctor that a lot of the bones belonged to at least 22 individuals and over 30% of what was found belonged to males aged between 15 and 20. I was thinking last night as I was brushing my teeth before I went to bed, how many bones are in the human body? If they found 500 bones and body parts and they were able to say at least 22 individuals, there'll be some bones there that they weren't able to identify you know tie together yeah. random bones is it 26 bones in a human body or is it 200 and something 206 bones oh i was just missing a zero that's a lot of bones isn't it a lot of bones but some of them are very small aren't they
0: is that an average or do we actually all have the same amount of bones you um, have a little more bone than that
1: person don't women have one less rib or something Men have one less rib.
0: Well surely
1: we would have one less rib to fit in a no, baby. Because isn't the Bible story that God took a rib from Adam and made Eve? Don't think science corroborates that story. I'm gonna put that out there. But I don't know, is it like leap years? Hang on,
0: it says there's two hundred and seventy bones in human infants which f- fuse to become two hundred and six to two hundred and thirteen bones in an adult. So
1: Babies have more bones. That's mad. Sylvie has more bones than I do. Uh, Yeah, and then they fuse together. That's so weird. I have an abnormally short bone in my wrist, and that's why it clicks and hurts so much. Anyway, Uh, (laughs) short biology lesson there as well. You're welcome. Um, (laughs) Media speculation ran wild, and the discoveries hit newspapers all over Germany, not just Hanover. There was evidence that some of the bones and body parts had been dissected, particularly at the joints and the killer was quickly referred to as a butcher oh in hanover suspicion quickly fell on fritz Harmon. he was already known to the police as a homosexual ever since i heard jeffrey monsell say it like that i just always want to say it like that homosexual yeah so he was already known to the police as a homosexual which we already know was illegal but they'd been turning a blind eye to it while he was working as an informant. They also had those previous convictions for sexual assault and battery of minors. So he's looking like prime suspect. Mm. And because of the time period, being gay was still quite demonised, particularly in Germany. So I think it's sort of easier to believe that because he's a gay man, he's also evil. Yeah, so I mean that's not why. But no, he was a bat. He, he was. It just so happens that it, it's, yeah, in it's, this instance, it's true. But it's not the two aren't mutually exclusive. It's, it's it's still annoying that that's what they thought. Yeah, and why he also. Was. It's another. It's a Jeffrey Dahmer all over again. Oh no, we won't look too closely because I don't want to get gay. Yeah, I don't yeah. Get gay on me. God. Police placed Harmon under surveillance on the twenty second of June, nineteen twenty four. Harman was arrested after being seen prowling Hanover station and getting caught arguing with a 15-year-old boy called Carl Fromm. Fromm told police that he had been living with Harman for four days and had been repeatedly raped. So, police searched Fritz's apartment and found blood everywhere, staining the walls, the floor, it's on the bed, it's on the bedding, mattress. Blood stained everywhere, and I just can't imagine the smell. Like, surely
0: that must smell. And that poor boy is is living there still, want yeah. still living there even after what he's been through, and even after the condition of the flat. Yeah, I mean it, that does say a lot about the state of society yeah. at that but point. That he must have been pretty desperate. To- also,
1: don't forget Fritz Harman did not live alone.
0: That's he very lived true. With,
1: he lived with Harm. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. So Fritz tried to convince the investigators that the blood was from his occasional work as a butcher. When he sold illegal meat on the black market. Right. Canned pork, supposedly. That's disgusting. Yeah. They didn't buy it. Extensive questioning of friends, acquaintances and neighbours turned up items that were suspected to belong to men that had been reported missing, men and boys, along with other items found in the apartment. So they found all this stuff. And there were comments from the neighbours and the questioning saying, you know a weird number of young men and boys visit fritz in his home and harman was often seen leaving with concealed containers and packages like baskets and things at odd hours like early in the morning mm-hmm. late at night this is very jeffrey darmer isn't it yeah and one person or well, i think it was two neighbors actually followed him one time and saw him dumping one of these packages into the river okay yeah, it's all a bit odd, all a bit suspicious. So the police ended up collecting the suspicious items and pieces of clothing and displayed them in Hanover Station. And the families of missing teenage boys from all across Germany, not just Hanover, were invited to come and identify them. <gasps> Did they? Yes. Oh, So more and more items were being matched with missing boys so it's all looking worse and worse but Fritz is still denying it's a coincidence like I sell second-hand clothes you know obviously I'm going to have some of these things yeah he's got an excuse Um, uh, for everything um just quickly you know when we do these historical
0: cases I do find it really interesting learning about how throughout history like crime was dealt with and how, like, they gathered up evidence. So, yeah. obviously, with... What's her face from New Orleans? Miss, Miss the lorry, where the they Lurie. put the people. Yeah. yeah. Was like, I mean, that's fucked up. That's exactly just, what I thought and then And then, you know, now they're displaying, like, come and have a look. Can you recognise any of this stuff? Like... Because obviously, yeah. they didn't have the kind of technology that we have now and like all the means that we do for investigation. So they had to do quite basic, just yeah. like we're going to put this out for public to come and come I forward. Mean, and It's pretty brutal, but also it's quite
1: clever. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's fairly damning but, evidence. But
0: it is really interesting to learn about how crime was kind of, you know.
1: Yeah. On the 29th of June, clothes, boots, and keys found stowed at Harmon's apartment were identified as belonging to a missing 18-year-old boy named Robert Witzel, a skull which was not initially collected to the other discoveries because it was found in a garden, not like the riverbed or mills or anything. So they found the skull in the garden that had already been forensically identified as as Robert Witzel, who was missing. But then they found the clothes, boots and keys that belonged to Robert in Fritz Harmon's apartment. And a friend of Robert's, Identified Fritz as a police officer who had been seen in the company Uh. of Robert Witzel a couple of days before he disappeared. Uh. So the police are all like, okay. Right. You've been got, mate. We've got you. Yeah. Faced with this evidence, Harmon ended up confessing to the rape, murder, and dismemberment of many young men between 1918 and 1924 in what he described as a rabid sexual passion. Hold on to your pants. According to him, he didn't actually intend to kill his victims, but he got so caught up in the moment while he was having sex with them that he'd get the irresistible urge to bite their Adam's apple, their throat. Oh, fuck! And would often strangle them in the throes of ecstasy. Like, So he'd just bite so hard they couldn't breathe, or he'd be strangling them and biting their necks. Sometimes he would bite down so hard that he would tear right through the throat of the victim. Just tear it right out. Oh,
0: my God.
1: Now we have the vampire.
0: Oh, where did you get urged to bite Adam's apple? Because it's so
1: So hard that you rip their throat out. Because he's just, he's basically saying he was just so like overcome with sexual passion that he couldn't stop himself from biting and killing them. Hell. it's not even the goriest part Helen oh shit right yep. go on I'm about to tell you something really gross okay and it's probably going to take a minute or two yeah <laughs> I'm ready if, you, if <laughs> listeners aren't into it so apparently Fritz really didn't enjoy the dismemberment of the dead bodies but he was insistent and this is a quote that the passion during the murder was stronger than the horror of the cutting and the chopping so He was disgusted at having to dismember the bodies, like disgusted in himself, Mm -hmm. really didn't want to do it, but he'd already killed them and he knew that he enjoyed the passion of it so much, the ecstasy of the act, that he was willing to dismember again. It didn't, you know, having to dismember them didn't put him off. So to gear himself up for what he was about to do, he'd have a cup of black coffee. Right. Remind you of anyone? Huh. Yeah, I don't go around dismembering people though. That's what that sounds like some what someone who dismembers people would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he'd have a cup of black coffee to amp himself up. He'd cover the face of the victim with a cloth or a towel and then remove the intestines first. And he'd put them in a bucket. He'd then use towels to repeatedly place towels in the abdomen to soak up the blood as it was collecting after removing the intestines. He would then make three cuts Beneath between the victim's ribs and shoulders, then take hold of the ribs and push until the bones around the shoulders broke. This is according to him. Where
0: did he learn to do this? He has butchered oh,
1: like, right. animals. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, and he was a fishmonger, seat. So oh. Yeah. The victim's heart, lungs and kidneys would then be removed, diced and placed in the same bucket which held the intestines before the legs and arms would then be severed from the body. He'd then remove the flesh from the limbs and torso and would dispose of that in the toilet or the river. Now, no. once again why is there people flushing things down toilets? I know. And also, it's the nineteen twenties. Indoor plumbing's quite a recent thing. Surely it's right. not going to be that powerful. I know. There's several episodes where we talk about flushing flesh down the toilets and we're not any more understanding of it. It's terrible. It is so undignified for the victims. It really is, isn't it? Yeah. Lastly, after severing the head from the torso, he'd remove the skin with a paring knife. He'd (sighs) like fillet the skin and flesh from the skull. Right. Why did you say fillet? Like it's some sort of like cookery show? Because that is what he does. All right. Okay. He'd wrap the skull in a cloth and then smash it with an axe (sighs) until it cracked open. So that he could remove the brain <gasps> which would then also go in the bucket with the organs and the intestines, and that bucket would then be poured into the river. yeah but I'm going to cast you back to a few minutes ago because that was his method, mm-hmm. he said that the skull that had been forensically identified as Robert Witzel, the skull found in a garden, couldn't be him. It must have been mistakenly identified because he smashed because the skull. he would most yeah. likely have smashed Robert's skull to pieces. So oh. who's that skull? That's an unidentified skull now.
0: Who are all the skulls that they're finding? Because they would surely all be
1: smashed too, right? Yeah. Well, when asked how many victims he killed, Harmon claimed that it was somewhere between 50 and 70. That's so many people. But I think he was actually kind of smart. He, he wasn't. He was, we have already know he was considered mentally deficient. But he only confessed to the murder of victims where there was physical evidence against him. Mm -hmm. So if he had their things, like... Yeah. He did also claim that two of the murders were only done at the insistence of his lover, Hans, Mm -hmm. because Hans had wanted the clothes that the victims were wearing or wanted what they had. Oh, wow. Yeah. So Hans was then arrested for accessory to murder on the 8th of July and charged a week later. Hans, there are other ways to get people's clothes. Yeah, Fritz also tried to blame one of the murders on Hans completely, but they think it was a setup because Hans had pissed him off. Oh, yeah, he'd been in prison, and Hans had like stolen a load of his stuff. It's a fucking just mess. mess. Like, yeah, yes, what are a these fucking people? Hot mess. God. Yeah, Fritz was once again psychologically evaluated, but this time he was found to be mentally competent enough to stand trial. The trial for both himself and Hans began on the fourth of December, nineteen twenty-four. Fritz was on trial charged with the murder of 27 victims. That they found evidence for. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. He insisted on defending himself during the trial and readily admitted to killing 14 of the victims and selling their belongings, although he vehemently, he was really adamant that he didn't sell their flesh as meat. All the meat that was found in his apartment was tested and not like in his fridge and cooking things and none of that was found to be human there was no traces of human flesh in like the cookery things okay um i did read somewhere that his landlady had bought meat from him and gotten sick and stuff and so there's some stuff
0: Uh, okay there is
1: some there's some there's some other evidence to like imply that perhaps maybe some human meat was sold but it's never been like scientifically Uh, confirmed that's the reddit feed yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) and then fritz never admitted to it so okay yeah Uh, you think
0: by this point with all of his confessions he would just add that in because by this point he just doesn't seem to have any
1: remorse yeah so he's just a fucking sick paedophile yeah murderer but not a cannibal okay yep it's all a bit weird in his himself because hmm. during the trial, they would present him with pictures of the victims and he'd get all like, his, his demeanour would change and he'd just be all like shruggy and like, oh, um, I don't recognise their faces. I don't recognise that face. I don't recognise him. But he'd occasionally sort of be tied to their belongings or something, not like an item of clothing and presented as evidence and he might recognise that coat or like that. Yeah. And um, he'd say, I probably killed them. Or he'd also say things like, charge it to me, it's all right with me, you know. What? Yeah. Like Like it's some sort of exchange of like... He was so focused on the lust and the sex act Mm -hmm. that the physical features of the person like just didn't register with him while he was doing it. So he can't tell, he can't tell if he killed them or not by looking at them, which is just fucking gross
0: horrific no but when you say charge it to me it just it makes me it just doesn't think give a shit. like it's it's almost like he's gone like charge
1: it to my room yeah that's yeah. what i mean like yeah why you know not i like, killed so many people like probably yeah. that one too and if i yeah. didn't i'm going down just anyway just so put on just there fuck anyway. it yeah, why, yeah not? why not say it was me horrible yeah it's horrific just to really hammer it home when he was asked to identify a photograph of victim alfred Hogreth, Harman stated i certainly assume i killed Hogreth, but i don't remember his face Obviously, he said that in German. This is all loose translations. Mm-hmm. There is a full list of his victims available online. It's too long. Oh, my goodness. Because I'd want to do them all justice. Yeah. And unfortunately, just don't have the time. But it's it's readily available. And it's horrific. It's, it's really bad. Like I said, his youngest victim was 10 years old. The whole trial was... It was like the first media moment in mm-hmm. Germany's sort of highly publicised trial. Because before then crimes were typically published in like the legal columns of a newspaper and they didn't really like go into the actual details of the crime it was just so and so has been charged for this blah 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 but this time the like newspapers jumped on it because it was also a really politically turbulent time in Germany and so some papers would use it to sort of try and push some political agendas oh um, really that's best yeah. time. yeah so like it would be you know, he's gay and evil that type of thing or like this wouldn't have happened under so-and-so's oh like. right but in this whole frenzy of headlines they're all starting to label him he's the butcher of hanover the vampire of hanover one labeled him as the wolf man it's almost it's quite interesting because i think ultimately they're trying to sell papers by covering this story and really sensationalizing mm-hmm. fritz harman as a person so by labeling him as like a butcher, the vampire, the wolfman, it's almost like they're making it more digestible for readers because his crimes are just so horrific and unbelievable. People would actually not want to read that, but by sort of making him like an otherworldly fairy tale, like they're dehumanising him. Yeah, that's what yeah, that's, that's sort of, what was running through my brain. Yeah, dehumanised him, haven't they? It's easier to digest what he's done, almost. Almost, I say, because it's not, because it's just fucking it's really horrific. Yeah. Well, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Quite literally unbelievable. By the second week of the trial, testimony was introduced about how much the police knew about Harmon's criminal activities after his release from prison in nineteen eighteen, which was when he did his first killing. Because why did they never suspect him for any of the cases of the missing boys and young men that were being investigated in Hanover from 1923 and 1924? Mm -hmm. And even though it was well recorded that some of the victims were seen in his company. And so the media picked up on that as well. And the police then came sort of under scrutiny and the public lost, there was a lot of contention and distrust with the police. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. There was investigations into the police department. It's caused, this whole thing has caused so many different things but ultimately the trial lasted just under two weeks it was very quick there was a total of 190 witnesses and on december 1924 the court reconvened to find harman guilty of 24 of the 27 murders that he was charged for he was acquitted of three of them for lack of evidence Mm -hmm. and sentenced him to death by beheading wow yeah it sounds that sounds so archaic now, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. His lover Hans Granz was found guilty of incitement to murder and also sentenced to death by beheading in relation to the murder of victim Adolf Hanapple, with an additional sentence of twelve years imprisonment imposed on him for being accessory to the murder of victim Fritz Fitting. So he has to do twelve years and then he gets and beheaded. He gets beheaded. Yeah. yeah.
0: God, that's actually really like a bad like that's pretty savage,
1: uh, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, no, like, it's just good.
0: Go to prison,
1: you got to sit yeah. there for 12 years, and then when you get out, you're getting your... Rot here, and then we're going to behead you. But you have to live those 12 years knowing. You're going to get your... You're yep. going to die. But, interestingly... Yes. In German tradition is to not inform the prisoner of their execution date until the night before. Oh. Yeah. Oh, God, you'd just be full of anticipation yeah, so like, all the time. Once again, quite brilliant, because you're just... cause Is today my last day? Yeah. Like, you don't know. Apparently, so when Harmon, when Fritz Harmon was told that he was being executed at six o'clock the next morning, he observed prayer with his pastor before being granted his final wishes of an expensive cigar to smoke and Brazilian coffee to drink in his cell. Very civilized. This case, it, this it just doesn't end. This thing, oh, this just God. does not stop. Right? right? Okay, so Fritz Harman's head was kept for forensic analysis, and parts of his brain were dissected. Why and analyzed. I don't know, but they found traces of meningitis. Not much else, but that could explain all the seizures and yes. stuff that he ha- had when he was younger. But that's not the weirdest thing. His head was kept preserved in a jar filled with formaldehyde in the Göttingham Medical School until it was cremated in 2014. Fuck off! Why? Why? <laughs> Why? Just sat there in a jar. That's a that's a serial killer, that. Eh? That's why. They're not even doing anything with it. Just go to college. There's a head. Science school. There's. Head. Right. It's mad to me. It's that common practice. Are there heads in jars everywhere? That was nine years ago. That's not long ago. That is modern day. Yeah. Why is there heads in jars? 2014. And who decided? That's not long ago. <laughs> who decided that, oh, do you know what? It's probably time. Let's just let's let him We're go. We're having a declutter. We've got too many heads, guys. We need to have a clear is out. Is there? Do you reckon there is? I like a vault to- somewhere full of... Heads. I don't know. Does anybody know? If you know, can you let us know? But do it nicely. That's fucking wild. It's. It's. I genuinely, my jaw hit the floor. It's fucking mad, isn't it? Like, yeah. So his head's just there in a jar. How do we know that all of these
0: crime cases that we are like talking about, where they say, or oh, they went to prison and then they died, or how do we know that like there's not like this vault of like brains and
1: heads? Where, where they just want to figure out like what went wrong, why why they went crazy. Well, there might be. And it makes sense because like, is there, well, the only way that they will have been able to determine, because there's science that relates like the part of your brain that is sexual and has your sexual desires is very close to the part of your brain that controls your parental instinct. And there is science to sort of indicate that perhaps in the case of paedophiles, I'm not saying this is for everybody, but if some paedophiles, that those nerve pathways get crossed yeah and that's why that's a horrible thought. it's horrible yeah. and they like literally can't help it but like it does, i'm not saying that makes it okay no but, but you, like yeah. it's and it's like the only way for somebody to have found that out is to test just, so i guess just, maybe maybe there is heads in
0: jars i'm just thinking about vaults but, with heads yeah. in just like some secret society like deep deep government of know, head class- keepers classified you know because there's all sorts of shit that goes down that we have no idea about
1: maybe hitler's head is in a jar oh my god am I who knows? This has opened a whole fucking can of worms right. in my brain. Hans Grans never had to face the guillotine in the end because after Fritz Harman was executed, a letter from him was discovered, dated the twenty fifth of February. So while he was in prison before he was executed, which claimed that Hans was innocent and that a lot of the claims against him in court were made under extreme duress. It was found in a coat pocket. Oh, so then what? not from Fritz, but like his his father found it or something. It's all a bit. Odd, but also, who's to say that Hans didn't just be like, "My name is Fritz Harman. Hans is innocent," <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what I do. Hans. <laughs> yeah, not from, Whoops. I mean, Fritz. <laughs> yeah, that's what I do. Yeah. Um, so he was actually retried for his crimes in 1925 and instead given a two consecutive 12-year sentences for aiding and abetting. Okay, um, right. Fritz Harman. So he actually served his prison sentences and died living in Hanover. Lastly, the remains of Harmon's victims were buried together in a communal grave in Stokner Cemetery in February of 1925. It's still there, and there's a large granite memorial with the names and ages of all of his victims sitting on top of the grave. So it's not a particularly nice or dignified end, but at least there is some peace for as many bits of the victims as as they could gather. Okay. Yeah. And that brings us to the end of the case of Fritz Harmon. Well, that was a real ride. Fucking mad, wasn't that? That was. Yep, absolutely mad. That's a long one as well. So thanks for sticking with us. It was good. good, It was a good. I mean, I'm not
0: saying it was a good. Like, wow, great story. Interesting. Interesting. That's what I mean to say. It was horrific, and also, and I'm just just kind of very, very just a lot, a lot. Next time on Devils in the Dark with me, Helen Anderson and me,
1: Danny Howard.
0: We're gonna be looking into
1: a real big one. It's Ted Bundy. We said it was coming. Here it is. It is here. Subscribe or follow wherever you listen to your podcasts to make sure that you never miss an episode of Devils in the Dark. And don't forget, you can find us on Instagram at Devils in the Dark. In the meantime, if you've been affected by any of the themes in this episode, please do check out
0: the description for lots of helpful resources.
1: Thank you very much. See you later. Bye-bye. (laughs) Bye-bye.